Thank you so much for inviting uh, Stacy and I here to be with you today. Um, Pastor Mike, thank you for giving up the pulpit for another Sunday. That's not easy for pastors to do, you know. Um, but when you uh, put the offering after the sermon, you do put a little extra pressure on the who's ever speaking. <clears throat> so if your offerings are down today, um, I guess you can blame me. It won't me. I won't do anything about it, but that's, you can still blame me. Uh, I'm not going to make up the difference or anything, but uh, uh, no, it's good to be here with you this morning. I, I really have appreciated this opportunity. Um, my connection with your church actually started with uh, Carl Hale and uh, his involvement in Every Child Ministries. And um, through our relationship and our friendship, he uh, said, hey, why don't you come and, and share at our church? And I was more than happy to do that. Um, Every Child Ministries, I, I, uh, I will share a little bit more about what we do later. Um, but before we get into any of that, I'd like to just open our time in, in prayer and just give this time to the Lord. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you freely in this place this morning. Uh, we know there are places where that's not possible. And we uh, are grateful for every moment where we can gather together as the body of Christ and lift up your name and glorify you and learn and grow and give back. So thank you, Lord, for this time this morning that uh, we can worship together. Uh, we pray for this next uh, 30 or 40 minutes that you, will, uh, that you will guide and direct and that it is your words that will be spoken this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let me see. Uh, I thought I would just uh, introduce, for those of you who weren't in the Sunday school class, um, my wife Stacy and I have six children. Uh, the, the two you see on the screen with us are our two youngest. So um, we have four other children who are uh, grown and out of the home and giving us grandchildren. So that's their primary uh, function in life is to give us grandchildren. So we're grateful for that. Uh, those of you who are young and who are having kids, just remember that you're really doing that for your parents so they can have grandchildren. Uh, at home now we have our two youngest. They're 17 and 19, Janae and Adeline. Uh, so uh, they may not be around in our house much longer either as they, as they uh, get older. Um, we have been with Every Child Ministries since 2012. Before that, we were with another mission organization, but we have uh, spent uh, most of our career uh, in Africa, working in uh, several different countries. Uh, we joined uh, ECM, Every Child Ministries, in 2012 and served a couple years more overseas before I came uh, home uh, to this area. Well, this is not my home. This is our new home in Northwest Indiana. Uh, we're originally from Western Michigan, from Muskegon, and uh, we came up here to, um, to take over the uh, job as, uh, of director at uh, ECM. The office is in Hebron, about 45 minutes uh, south of here, past Crown Point and over in that direction. So uh, the title of this sermon is An Unswerving Hope in an Unfailing God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound on that particular aspect uh, a little bit later. But I did want to um, 
to just highlight the two verses that really uh, attracted my attention when I was thinking about what it means to have hope as followers of Jesus Christ, what does it mean to have hope? And uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that this morning. But these two verses uh, from Hebrews 10, one from the New Testament, one from the Old, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, how many of you have used the word unswervingly in the past 10 years? <laughs> okay, one person, okay. So we think of uh, swerve, when we swerve, we're driving, right, and we see something in the road and we swerve out of the way. That's about the only time we use that word, I think, is when we swerve out of the way of something. So this verse, uh, and, and I'll talk about this more later, but this idea of unswervingly, it's a great word, unswervingly, we just go straight, straight toward that goal, straight toward where we're headed, no, de no detours, no going around, no swerving around. We're going to hold on to the promise of God because he's faithful. And then from Psalm 33, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Why can we put our hope in God? Because his love is unfailing. He will do what he promises to do. They say, and by the way, who is they? Do you ever, you know, and I could go on a rabbit trail now after 10 seconds into the sermon, but who, who is they? But they say that you can, have a, you can live about 40 days without food. Not that I want, plan to try that, but that is possible. You can live a few days without water. You can even go some minutes, seven, eight minutes without air. But you can go almost no time at all without hope. Without hope, it's hard to live. I don't know if you've ever tried to live without hope, uh, but let me tell you, it's not easy to do. Uh, ask a person struggling with depression what it's like to live without hope. Once you have no reason to get up in the morning, uh, no reason to go to work, eat a meal, spend time with your family, uh, spend time with your friends, once you have no reason to be around others or carrying, carrying on no meaningful activity, the question always arises, what reason do I have to stay alive? What's it like to live a life without hope? Now, I've spent a lot of time in different countries talking to different people and many different places, many different cultures. Some people were funny, some were serious, some had positive attitudes, some saw everything as negative. Some had so much money they didn't know what to do with it, and some didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. Some were Christians, some were Muslims, some didn't believe in any God, and some didn't care one way or the other. Everyone I've met is different and unique. Some seem to be very needy, while others seem to need very little. Yet there was something they all have in common something that everyone needs desperately, and that is hope. As I said, you may be able to survive without food and water for a while, even air for a few minutes, but going without hope is almost impossible. But there is hope for us as Christians, as followers of Christ. We, do, we are not hopeless. In fact, we have incredible hope, hope that is beyond our comprehension, hope that we can't even explain, 
uh, or understand. Uh, there, is a, there is a hope that we, the afflicted, have that God will never forget us. Psalm 9, verse 18, but God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. I want you to meet someone this morning. Unfortunately, she's not here with us. But I want you to meet someone special this morning. I was reading a story that came in from our field staff in Uganda, in, in uh, Kampala, the capital city, and the headline caught my attention. The headline said, Girl Without Limbs Walks Three Kilometers to School. I don't know if, if that would catch your attention, but that caught my attention. First of all, she doesn't have any limbs, and secondly, she's walking to school, and then she's walking more than a mile, a mile and a half to get to school. So that caught my attention, and it sounded fairly extraordinary to me. I said, this must be some determined young lady, <laughs> and I want to meet her. Turned out I was right. Nine-year-old Judith Abbo was born without hands and feet. And wherever she goes, as you can imagine, people stare. And then they gawk, and then they make fun of her. And then they might shun her because maybe she's cursed, and I need to stay away from that person. Maybe even abuse her physically. But none of that stops little Judith from going to school and doing all that she can to learn and to grow. Now, be honest with me. Might you have given up hope if you were in her situation? No hands and no feet, without the medical attention even that you can get here. I mean, you can see what she has for, uh, for legs, some wooden pegs. She doesn't have hope that somehow she will grow hands and feet. You think about that? She has hope. Let's say, let's say she has the hope to carry on. Is she hoping that someday her hands are going to grow? She's going to wake up in the morning and her hands are going to be grown and she's going to have feet. Now maybe she prays for that miracle, but that's not her hope. She isn't holding out hope that all of her problems are going to go away. She simply places her hope in God to take her through every difficult circumstance that she goes through, to help her to be the best person she can be despite the fact that she has no hands and no feet, determined to do all that she can to thrive despite her handicaps. That's what hope can do for us. Hope doesn't necessarily take us out and eliminate all the problems, but it helps carry us through. The dictionary says that hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. A feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. I expect that. I have a desire for something else to happen. <clears throat> hope is what, is what you have when you're reading a book and you're turning the pages and reading, and it's not going well for your people in the story. They're like, how, is this, how in the world is this going to end good for them, right? 
and you keep doing what? You keep turning the page because you have a hope that something good is going to happen in this story at some point. I don't know how many pages I'm going to have to go through before I get there. My wife and I don't judge us, but we watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you've watched it, maybe you haven't, but I don't know why we watch it. But we watch it, and almost, I can't tell you how many times somebody's in a situation, and you say, how in the world are they going to get out of that? How are they going to survive that? The world is going to end for sure in this particular episode. And somehow, we keep watching because we have a hope that the good guy's going to win, something's going to happen where everybody's going to survive and the world's going to go on as it should. If we had no hope while watching, if you had no hope while reading that book, you'd stop. You have a hope that something better is coming. The Bible, of course, has a lot to say about hope. Um, and, and I'm not going to cover all of it for sure, but a few verses that I want to uh, highlight in addition, and I'll come back to the ones that I've already talked about, talk about those a little bit more. Um, but this one, if I get the right page here, uh, let's talk about a hope that leads to a new life, to something better. There is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and the new shoots will not fail. In the greater context of this particular passage, actually what Job is talking about, and you, and you have to, to understand Job in the book of Job, it's a very discouraging kind of passage. And, and actually the two words before this that are not there, he says, at least, at least there's hope for a tree. So he's implying there's no hope for us. At least there's hope for a tree. The rest of us are in bad shape. And you can understand, if you know his story, of, of why he was feeling that way. But the analogy here is beautiful. If a tree is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Any coffee lovers here? Oh, the, the youngest person in the whole auditorium has raised their hand. <laughs> that's fantastic. You're, that's fantastic. Do you have to put like a lot of sugar in it like, and cream and stuff? Yeah, that's how you got to do it to make it taste good, right? Um, so one of the things, <laughs> well, for a kid, I mean, not for me, but uh, one of the things I love to do when I take people to Africa is take them on what we call a coffee tour. And um, our, on this tour, we go up in the, the mountains in, in uh, eastern Uganda and, and uh, to the coffee plant plantations, and, and they see how coffee's grown, um, how it's harvested, roasted, how you grind it and, and, uh, and brew it, and of course you get to drink some coffee too. Um, one of the things I learned on this tour is that after a certain number of years, a coffee tree is completely cut down. Like, it's like it's done its duty, and they just cut it down. I don't mean they just prune it. Um, I mean they cut it down all the way to the ground. They call it stumping, okay? And uh, you know what happens? When they do that, it doesn't die. Uh, it grows back and produces as much or more coffee as the tree ever did in the past. Uh, in fact, it's usually more, more, more healthy, more productive than the old tree that was cut down. 
Um, and that's the way, here, I'll give you a picture there of a little um, tree, coffee tree, the beans, and uh, he's explaining there to the people how, how that tree grows. But that's the way hope is. No matter the dire situation, no matter how bad things are going, um, there is hope that there's still good times ahead. When you, get, when you feel like you've been cut down to the base, <laughs> when you've been stumped, and, and, you, don't, and you, just, you feel like, I can't do anything now. I'm, I used to be a tree producing these nice coffee beans, and now I'm nothing. And you, f- and you don't understand how you're going to grow up and produce even more coffee than you did before. Um, your life can sprout again and produce a lot more fruit, perhaps more than you ever produced before. Uh, You may be tired. You may see little reason to carry on. Um, But if you're a coffee drinker like me, I mean, if there's a good cup of coffee waiting at the end, I'll go through anything to get there, right? Even that long line at Starbucks. uh, you'll, You'll go through whatever you need to get through because you've got a hope for what's coming, that coffee that's at the end. But as a Christian... If you're pruned or even cut down to the base, there is a great hope of, that God will still use you to grow and strengthen your kingdom. Hope uh, doesn't always come in the timing, uh, or things, I should say, don't always come in the timing that we hope for. Um, hope often means waiting on the Lord. We, we, we wait in him, but we, we, we talk about patience, but then we say, I want patience and I want it now, <laughs> right? Who's got patience to wait for patience? We don't have patience to get the things that we, that we think are ahead. Things don't happen in our timing. So we need to wait. We need to learn to wait in the Lord because he is our help and our shield. Um, I pushed the wrong one. There we go. Uh, in the summer of 2019, I met Caroline. I knew the day that I met her that God was calling ECM to, to come in and, and try to help her in some way. We searched and we searched all around that year and into 2020 to find a doctor who could help her with this tumor that's grown on her face there on the right side. Then just when we were making progress to find that doctor, find that hospital, this is not a surgery that they can do you know, at the local clinic. In fact, they couldn't find any place in Uganda where they could do it. And so we searched and we, we found a place in Kenya that we thought could do the surgery and that was like around a year ago and then COVID, and everything got shut down. No transportation, they couldn't cross the border. We couldn't get doctors to to look at, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Immediately everything went on hold. It was nine months before we could even attempt to get Caroline out of Uganda. And by then, our contacts had dried up a bit uh, with the hospital and, and it was like we were starting over completely from scratch. And even now, after all this time, we have still not been able to get Caroline the help she needs. It's been nearly two years. 
Now, why tell a story that doesn't have a happy ending? Would be great if I could have said, and we waited on the Lord, and then she got the surgery she needed, and all is well. But you know, that's not where we're at. We're still waiting on the Lord. It's not in our timing. It's not when we want it to happen. It's not when I think it should happen. It's when he's ready to make it happen. So we keep praying, and we keep doing everything we can to help her to get the help she needs. But we are ultimately and entirely waiting on the Lord. Sometimes we're called to wait, hoping that God will act, that he'll do something. We don't just wait as if we're just waiting for something good to happen, like, I sure hope that works out. That good thing, I I sure hope that works out. We wait in the Lord, and we wait for him to make himself known. We ultimately are looking for him to receive the glory. And when it happens, he will be glorified because he is our help and our shield. It's not a doctor in Kenya. It's not a hospital there. It's not a government. It's not a neighbor. It's not your church. It's not your neighbor. It's not your best friend. That's not where we place our hope. Our hope is not in the things of this world, but in the Lord alone. We tend to give up when things don't go well. We try to make, take matters into our own hands. Um, we don't know how to wait very well if we're honest, yet we must, so we continue to pray. And we rest in the words of Psalm 62, verse 5, Yes, my soul, find rest in God, my hope comes from him. That word rest is really important. What do you do when you rest? You sit or you lay down, you stop doing all the things you were doing, you take a deep breath and you relax, and you you rest your mind and your body. And God is telling us that that's how we can rest in God. Put aside the other things. Stop worrying. Stop trying to take matters into your own hands and rest in him and let him do what he does. And so we hold on to God's love to his unfailing love, and we hold on tightly (laughs) because we have a hope that his love will never fail. These two verses, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, really stuck out to me when I was was, uh, just reading and praying about what it means to talk about hope, this idea of let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Don't get sidetracked. Hold on tight. And hold on with confidence, knowing that God has got you. When things aren't going the way you want them to go, don't swerve to one side or the other, but stay on the track that he's given you, on the path that he's laid out before you. Because his love is unfailing. Our God is unfailing. His, his, he will do what he has said he will do. He will do what he promised to do. As a child, I learned the meaning of the word hope by following my favorite sports team. Uh, Us from Michigan. Uh, Hope is what kept me following the Tigers um, 
no matter how well they were doing, when they lagged behind in the standings, and any reasonable person would give up, I had that hope that somehow they would pull through, somehow they would, they would do well. Uh, hope is what kept me pulling for the Lions, for goodness sakes, after all these years. For you, you might say the Bears. <laughs> or maybe the Cubs. Hope is what made me check the scores in the newspaper to see how my favorite team was doing. Uh, and and uh, long after my parents sent me off to bed, I would miss everything, so I'd have to check in the morning to see how they did. And each new year, oh, there's, there's nothing that brings more hope than spring training in baseball. Am I right? Every team, every team can win the World Series in, in April, in March, during spring training. I mean, every team looks great. They're all going to, I mean, the hope that we have that something's going to go well and our team's going to do well during the year. Uh, but for Christians, uh, the word hope has a very deep and significant meaning. It's no matter what happens, we can always have that hope in the Lord because of who he is. And Paul reminds us in Romans 8, 24, he says, um, he writes that hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have, he says. Who hopes for what they already have? So when the Cubs finally won the World Series, you stopped hoping it would happen because it did happen, right? Now we'll just be hoping for another hundred years that it will happen again. We don't hope for things that have already happened. We give thanks for those things, and we hope for something else, something better, something that's coming. Uh, there's an understanding that in this world, we will have trouble. <laughs> so we hope for something better than what we have, the trouble that we have. And he goes on in the next verse there in Romans 8 to say, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. If we wait for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And this is what we're really bad at, is waiting patiently. I mean, he, that verse is written like, yeah, of course, that's easy. <laughs> but it's not, is it? It's not easy to wait patiently. Uh, on what the Lord has for us. But we must. And Jesus gives us his peace, enabling us to continue on despite difficult circumstances. But we can't live in an eternal state of hope, can we? If all you ever do is hope, it gets really hard at a certain point. It's like, again, with your, your, your sports team, after a while of the hoping just isn't enough. You want to see some results, don't you? you? You're tired of hoping every spring that they're going to do well. You want to see them do well. It's really hard to live in a state of hope ongoing all the time. We need at some point to realize our dreams and our hopes. And as followers of Jesus, we know that there will be a time, there will be a time when our hopes and dreams are realized. And as we continue to carry on, we know that day will come on, that, that day will come. Uh, you see, hope is not our final destination. 
It's what enables us to carry on until we get there. It's what gives us the strength to carry on until that point where we reach uh, a, better, a better place. Uh, we don't live in a perpetual state of hope. Hope is how we get where we're going. It's kind of like a vehicle that, that carries us where we're going. As Christians, we're called to bring hope to the afflicted. Uh, at Every Child Ministries, we believe it's our responsibility as a ministry to give the hope that Jesus offers to those most in need. We work with children, uh, vulnerable children. They, they have been put aside by their culture, their society. They don't get the help that they need. And, and as Christians, we're called to step in and help. And that's what uh, ECM does. Kids who are living in, in extreme poverty, kids who ha are disabled or have albinism, um, kids who have been orphaned, they have no family to care for them. Um, it's, it's what we do to rescue them from their distress on this earth and give them an opportunity for an eternal reward. Uh, ECM believes uh, that we must have hope for today. We can't carry on without hope. Uh, it's difficult to have hope when there's no one there to help us, when we're alone, when, when no one is coming to provide help for us. Maybe you've been in that situation where you felt hopeless because of a physical situation that you were in, and you weren't thinking about tomorrow, and you weren't thinking about eternity. You were thinking about today. And you, feel, you felt like no one was there to help you. As Christians, we need to, to be the one to step in and help. That's why we have chosen, that's why our calling in particular is to help those kids who have been put aside in their cultures and who are not being taken care of. Um, <clears throat> the fact that they're far away from us doesn't stop the fact that we've been called to help them. Uh, if you really want to bring hope for today to those around you, you must help to meet their physical needs. It's just the way it is. Their food, clothing, medical needs, training, which helps communi help communities understand uh, things like albinism and disabilities and that they're not curses and that these kids can be helped and so on. Um, but hope for today is just what it is, hope for today. It's short-lived. It doesn't meet the needs for tomorrow or into eternity. So we also bring hope for tomorrow. Uh, what hope can I have for tomorrow without an education, without something that allows me to, to make that next step? In Africa, um, the number of kids who don't have an education, the percentage is very high very high and those kids almost have no chance I mean you're talking about unemployment uh, rates that would make your your head spin um, as far as just in the country alone if you've got an education now you take out the education and you have almost no chance to do anything except maybe try to sell some vegetables on the side of the road so by giving education uh, providing education we give kids hope for tomorrow um, you've met their physical needs. Now they can think about tomorrow. Okay, what do I need for tomorrow? Well, an education would sure help me give me a future uh, that I can carry on and that I can, um, I can provide for a family and all of that. So that's why we make it a priority to pay school fees and other things the kids need. 
uh, so they have a realistic chance for a brighter future. Um, yet, even the best of educations is short-lived. Nobody uh, who had a good education uh, uses that as their, their reason for getting into heaven. You know, I've got, I got all these degrees, therefore, you should let me in. <laughs> we know that's not how it works, right? Just like most people don't stay in school their whole life, uh, education gets them to where they want to be. It's their hope for a better life, but it is not their better life. Um, I still... I still remember, it's been nearly 40 years since I wrote my last college exam. I still remember the day I wrote my last college exam. It was the best, short of marrying Stacy, it was the best day in my life. <laughs> it was, it, nothing is better than, you, 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 for, for all this time it's just been a hope. I hope I finish sometime. I, I don't know when, but I just hope I get through this and survive it. And you finish it. And now the, the dream has been realized and you've, you've got that education, um, the day comes, you no longer live in hope. But it's still just for that moment. And that's why the third part of our focus at ECM is hope for eternity. Without that third part, we're still doing good things. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of value and a lot of worth in helping meet people's physical and educational needs. And people who are doing that, great. Get out there and do it. But as a Christian, if that's all we did, something would be greatly missing. We would be missing an opportunity to help move a person from not knowing Christ to knowing Christ. And isn't that what evangelism is? We think about evangelism uh, with our words. You know, we, we preach, we teach, we evangelize. But to me, evangelism is mostly about helping a person who doesn't know Christ know Christ. <laughs> That's my goal. That's our goal, right, as followers of Christ, to help people move from there to there. And if we can help them meet physical, if we can meet their physical needs, meet their educational needs, we've got a much better chance that we're going to be able to that they're going to welcome the news, the good news of Jesus Christ into their hearts. So that's why we also bring a hope for eternity. It's really at the core. It's why the core of our ministry is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do it every way that we can. Some people, uh, one danger that there is in dividing it up into three things like this is that we forget that every aspect of what we do is a promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether, even when we're meeting physical needs, we are in that using every opportunity we can to make sure that a person understands the gospel, that they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just through our actions, but in our words. So it's integrated into all. And I, I personally think that's how we all should live our lives. Uh, we're not Sunday Christians. We're, we're everyday Christians. So whether you're at work or at school, uh, with your friends, whatever, you don't turn off your, your Christian faith because you're not in church. In fact, if anything, you, you need to turn it up <laughs> a bit because it's so much harder to live out your Christian faith. This is easy, isn't it? It's easy to be a Christian in here. But once you get out there, it's a lot harder. 
So we need to work even harder to make sure that we integrate our faith into the things we're doing, the relationships that we have with people, um, the things we teach, the things we do. It all needs to be there throughout everything that we do. Uh, ECM works to offer hope to children, their caregivers. Uh, we do that, as I've said, by bringing practical help, by reaching out a hand, by showing the love of Jesus to those who are broken and vulnerable. A few years ago, I met some kids in Congo who had been street kids, and they were now in the church. And I, oh, that's great. You know, did someone preach to them? No. What happened? Somebody loved them. Somebody went out and reached out to them and said, you, you need some help, and they helped them. They showed love to them, and those boys ended up in the church with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that what it's all about? Hope is made real through the loving actions of Christians. That's how it's expressed. Hearts are softened to receive the gospel when we live out our faith through our actions. And these, these boys had faced a, a countless problems in life, but with a loving family to come alongside them uh, and a knowledge that they have a Savior who will never abandon them, they now have a chance, not just for uh, a better life today, but for eternity. So my question for you this morning is, do you have hope? <laughs> and where is your hope? Not hope for today, not hope for tomorrow, although those are good things. Uh, that you want to have. You need hope for today. You need hope for tomorrow. But do you have hope for eternity? If you do, if you do have that hope, let me ask you a second question. Are you sharing your hope with others who are hopeless? How are you doing that? How do you give others the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? If you don't have that hope, of course, it's a free gift. That God has for us. You can have it. He loved us so much that while we were still sinners, even the worst of sinners, Christ died for us. A perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. And you can have this gift simply by receiving it and accepting it and by believing. And through that comes a changed life. A, a changed life that looks different than it did before by the things that you do the things that you say. Jesus said, you know a tree by its fruit, right? What it produces. A follower of Christ will live out his faith by what he does. And if you claim to be a follower of Christ, can others see it? Do they know by the way that you act? It's my deepest desire that you know the hope of Jesus uh, as your Savior. This morning um, in Sunday school, I, I shared a couple, verse, or I shared a verse from Psalm 96, and I'll, I'll close here. Um, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. How do we do that? How can we declare his glory? How can we make sure that others know the marvelous deeds uh, of God? It, and maybe it's as simple as how we love each other, loving others so completely um, in every way that we can, in whatever way we can, and this is how Jesus responded to the question of what's the greatest commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe 
that what Jesus was trying to tell us there is that we need to love God and we need to love others and that you can't separate those two things. You can't say, I love God, but I don't love the people around me. Scripture is clear on that. They go hand in hand. You love God and you show how you love God, how much you love God by how much you love others, how much you reach out and touch others. I, um, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you this morning. My hope is that you know Jesus and that you have the hope that comes in knowing him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, life can seem hopeless sometimes. Life can throw things at us that make us wonder why we carry on, if we should carry on, or how in the world we're going to. But you have given us a hope. Not a hope that everything will be fixed, uh, although you, you are a God who can do miracles, but maybe the miracle is simply each one of us understanding that you love us so deeply that you will care for us through it all, all of our problems, all of the difficulties, through COVID, through every obstacle this world throws at us. We have our hope in you, not in anyone else, not in any person or government. Our hope is in you, you alone, Lord. Thank you for your provisions, for all that you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.